0: Chapter seven of Devlin the Barber by B. L. Fargin. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. She had found the key she had been searching for, and now she opened a mahogany desk, from which she took a penny memorandum book. She handed it to me in silence, and I turned over the leaves. Most of the pages were filled with weekly accounts of her lodgers in which ham and eggs eightpence a rasher fivepence chop eightpence two boiled eggs threepence bloater twopence cruet fourpence and other such like items appeared again and again there was also at the foot of the pages receipts for payment paid fanny lemon and in this in the midst of the presumably tragic business upon which we were engaged brought to my mind an anomaly which had often occurred to me namely that landladies should present their accounts to their lodgers in penny memorandum books should receive the money should sign a receipt and then take away the books containing their acknowledgment of payment in view of the grave issues impending it is a trivial matter to comment upon but it was really a relief to me to dwell for a moment or two upon it at the end of the memorandum-book, which I was looking through, were five or six leaves which had not been utilized for lodgers' accounts, and these Mrs. Lemon had pressed into service for her diary. She was a bad writer and an indifferent speller, and the entries were brief, and, to me, at that point, incomprehensible. "'I see, Fanny,' I said, "'that your first entry is made on a Thursday, a good many weeks ago.' "'Yes, sir.' I must confess I can make nothing of it. It states that Lemon rose at eight o'clock on that morning, that he had breakfast at half-past eight, that he ate four slices of bread and butter, two rashers of bacon, and two eggs.' "'Ah!' sighed Mrs. Lemon, interrupting me. He had his appetite, then, had Lemon. He ain't got none now to speak of.' And, I continued, that he went out of the house at nine o'clock with a person whose name is unintelligible. It commences, I think, with a D. D D-E-V-L-I-N, said Mrs. Lemon, her eyes almost starting out of her head as she spelt the name letter by letter. I can make it out now. That is it. Devlin. A peculiar name, Fanny everything about him is that, sir, and worse. Had it been a common name, I dare say, I should have made it out at once. Now, Fanny, who is this Devlin?' "'You call him a man, sir,' said Mrs. Lemon, striving unsuccessfully, to keep her eyes from the portrait of her husband, from the evil-beaked bird, and from the image of the stone monster on the mantelshelf. The magnetism was not in her, it was in the objects and as she turned from one to the other I also turned, as though I were a piece of machinery and she was setting me in motion. But it is likely that my eyes would have wandered in those directions without her silent prompting. One peculiarity of the fascination, growing more horrible every moment, exercised by the three objects, was that I could not look upon the one without being compelled to complete the triangle formed by the positions in which they were placed the wall, the window, the mantel-shelf. It was Devlin, then, I said, who painted the portraits and stuffed the bird and gave you the stone monster? You've guessed it, sir, it was him. Referring to the entry in the memorandum-book, I asked, did this Devlin call for your husband on the Thursday morning that they went out together? No, sir, he lodged here. Does he lodge here now? Yes, sir, I am sorry to say. If I could only see the last of him, I'd give thanks on my bended knees, morning, noon and night. Why don't you get rid of him, then? I can't, sir. I accepted this as part of the mystery, and did not press her on the point, but I asked why she would feel so grateful if he were gone from the house. Because, she replied, it's all through him that Lemon is as he is am I to see this man before I leave?" "'It ain't for me to say, sir.' "'Is he in the house now?' "'No, sir.' I inwardly resolved, if he came into the house before I left it, that I would see the man of whom Mrs. Lemon so evidently stood in dread. "'I suppose, Fanny, you will tell me something more of him?' "'That is why I asked you to come, sir if you're to do any good in this dreadful affair, you must know as much as I do about him.' "'Very well, Fanny.' I referred again to the first entry in the diary. "'After stating that your husband went out with Devlin at nine o'clock in the morning, you say that he returned alone at six o'clock in the evening, and that he did not stir out of the house again on that night?' "'Yes, sir.' I see that you have made a record of the time Lemon went to bed, and the time he rose next morning. To which, sir, I am ready to take my gospel oath." Supposing your gospel oath to be necessary. It might be. God only knows. I stared at her, beginning to doubt whether she was sane. But there was nothing in her face to justify my suspicion the expression I saw on it was one of solemn, painful, intense earnestness. "'Go on, sir,' she said, "'if you please.' I turned again to the concluding words of the first entry, and read them aloud. Devlin did not come home all night. I locked the street-door myself and put up the chain. I went down at seven in the morning, when Lemon was asleep, and the chain was up. I went to Devlin's room, the second floor front, and Devlin was not there. That's true, sir. I can take my gospel oath of that. Fanny, I said, with the little book in my hand, closed, but keeping my forefinger between the leaves upon which the first entry was made, I cannot go any further until you tell me what all this means. After you've finished what I wrote, sir, was her reply, I'll make a clean breast of it, and tell you everything or as much of it as i can remember from the time you saw me last a good many years ago wasn't it sir up to this very day i thought it best to humour her and i looked through the remaining entries they were all of the same kind mr lemon rose in the morning at such a time he had breakfast at such a time he went out at such a time with or without Devlin. He came home at such a time with or without Devlin, and so on and so on. It was a peculiar feature in these entries that Lemon never went out or came home without Devlin's name being mentioned. I handed the book back to her. She took it irresolutely and asked, Did you read what I last wrote, sir? Yes, Fanny. The usual thing. Perhaps, sir. But the time I wrote it, that is what I mean no fanny i don't think i noticed that it was wrote yesterday sir and it fixes the time that lemon came home on friday and that he didn't stir out of the house all the night if i can swear to anything sir i can swear to that lemon never crossed the street door from the minute he came in on friday to the minute he went out again yesterday if it was the last word i spoke i'd swear to it and it's the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God!" I was about to inquire why she laid such particular stress upon these recent movements of her husband, when there flashed into her eyes an expression of such absolute terror and horror that my first thought was that a spectre had entered the room noiselessly, and was standing at my back. Before I had time to turn and look, Mrs. Lemon clutched my arm and gasped, "'Do you hear that?" do you hear that? End of chapter seven.